Welcome to Online Echo Service. We're so thankful to have you watching today. Uh, I don't know, Chels. I know you no. really want to show your vocal I, chops. I do. I but do. maybe you should just let me read these announcements. Fine. Where, where do we leave off? Today Andy's gonna have a message. Or, oh no, I'm supposed to just read them. Sorry. Yeah, just read them. Um, today Andy's gonna have, we're gonna be hearing from Pastor Andy and a message on the power of trusting God and staying focused on Him on Matthew 6. So, uh, another date to put on your calendar is July 10th. It's Echo Serve Day. One way we're going to serve our community is to do some neighborhood cleanup. So be there, serve with us. It's going to be fun. Last thing is on generosity. We know that living gener generously creates space for God to bless you. This is truly a secret to living abundant lives to the fullest. And we believe in it wholeheartedly here. Uh, we have all sorts of ways to give. So you can head to our website, text any amount to 84321. Uh, it's a chance to be part of what God is doing in the world. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for joining us today. today. We, we hope, hope you enjoy our Echo, Echo Online, Online service. service. <laughs> Nailed it. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried.
said I needed rescue and my sin was heavy. I just want to encourage you guys this morning that salvation is a free gift of God this morning. And it's free for you today.
out for Jesus in the morning, right? <laughs> Thank you, Father, for taking us from glory to glory. We just love you and appreciate you this morning. But there's a song that me and my brother Isaiah have been listening to for the past week, and it's called Holy, Holy, Holy. And there's nothing else better than to worship Jesus this morning, right? How many know that Jesus is holy? So let's sing that together. Holy, holy, holy. One more time. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God so much this morning. We're so thankful to be in your presence today and have the opportunity to come together and worship you. Lord, you are so mighty. You are so merciful today. Father, I just lift up the people in here that may not know you this morning, that they would know that you are good. We love you, Jesus. We're so excited to be with you today. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we believe in you. We'll let you know about that here momentarily as well. So uh, we just, uh, man, I, I'm just glad to be here. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. And um, man, I'm excited about what the Lord wants to speak in and through us today. Anybody else feel that way? Uh, today. Um, so punchline, let, let me just say it like this. If, if we, were all to, um, we were all to take a course online through a website called masterclass.com, uh, <clears throat> we could learn how to write a good joke. And if I, we learned how to write a good joke, I guarantee you that I would ruin the punchline. Come on, everybody, y'all know what I'm saying. I am, I am the worst joke teller in the world. In fact, um, <clears throat> at some point in my life, I got inspired to be an illusionist and I, I bought the DVDs and I bought some of the things I needed to buy and then I tried it and I couldn't even get past my wife. And so I just gave up on that hope and dream. And so, yeah, sorry. Uh, but if we were to lean into that masterclass.com, what we'd find out is that professional comedians would tell us that if we were going to write a good jo joke, we, we need to start with the punchline first. That we have to start with the punchline first and then begin to build around it. Now, let me just go ahead and define 
what the punchline is. The punchline, uh, again, I, I'm a favorite place to find a definition is Google.com. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? Google knows every, everything, so at this point. Uh, but what you'll find is the punchline is the final sentence or a statement at the end of a story or at the end of a joke. That's what punchline is what it means, that's what it is defined as. And so today, is, as we, we kind of look and we celebrate with those that are entering a new chapter in their life, I want to remind all of us to review our own punchline. I mean, what is that final statement in our life or in our chapter that's going to get everybody to laugh or everybody to cry? Y'all know what I'm saying? And I think that from time to time, that's kind of where we need to go. And so uh, just uh, being a person that have gone through a few chapters of my lifetime, um, I just noticed uh, that sometimes we just need that reminder. And, and so today's, here's, here's today's punchline. We all want to leave a mark. We all want to leave a mark. Now, I, I grew up with an older brother and those marks that we made on each other uh, were usually with our fists, right? And, and uh, in fact, uh, you know, coincidentally, my daughters were playing football the other, uh, the other day, uh, actually last Sunday, and, and, and my two girls were fighting for the football and one had just simply backhand the other and now the younger one has a nice black eye. Come on, come on. <laughs> Leaving a mark, one eye at a time. But some of my favorite jokes, I believe, um, that I, I wanna, some of the favorite jokes I find funny are the ones that have irony in it. Anybody, y'all know what I'm saying? Like the ironic humor always cracks me up. And so I thought, hey, let's have a little fun. Can we have a little fun today? Uh, and so I, I, I found some, um, some funny uh, kind of ironic photos. And so I'm gonna ask my daughter, uh, Zion, who uh, is really great at um, giving people black eyes and also running the slides. So here's some irony. Here on the road to success, there are no shortcuts. Come on, come on, anybody enjoy the irony in the photo. Thank you, thank you. Hey, hey, Zion, go ahead and go to the next one here. Uh, here's another ironic photo. Three, two, one. That is a Ford Escape, and it says prisoner <laughs> transport. This is kind of this is this is kind of in the vein of, of dad jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, somebody like that's not really that funny. Didn't we drive a Ford Escape for a while? No, no something that looked like a Ford Escape. A Mazda Tribute, same body model, I think, at some point. Uh, it's pretty much the same car, yeah, yeah, different brand. Um, okay, anyway, the next one, the next one, it's, it really builds anticipation, <laughs> builds anticipation. Uh, that is a cliff bar hanging on the cliff. Uh, it's not as good as, I thought it was really good. <laughs> 5 a.m. this morning, I really enjoyed this. Uh, and I also like mountain climbing, so, so maybe that's it, okay? You know, over some of your heads, like some of you are like, I don't get that. Anyway, moving on, last one, last one. This is a real good one. Um, my, uh, my daughters and I have been working on spelling uh, and homeschooling at the CASAs, and a lot of times their spelling tests look like this. Uh, uh, but if you, you kind of got to read between the lines to figure that one out, but... Um, uh, I, think th I think that's called making a statement. That is a punchline right there, right there. I'm, I'm glad some of you enjoy irony. Anyway, thank you. Hey, let's all hear it for Zion run the slides back there. <laughs> she, she just went like this. <laughs> I love you, I love you, Zion. I'll buy you boba today. So, um, so I was a youth pastor for many, many years um, before we, we had uh, gone out in the adventure of starting Echo Church. And uh, I can get emotional because I, I think uh, teenagers are the funnest people to be around. 
And, and we had a lot of fun with them. In fact, when we went back to Stevens Point uh, and we went back to the pond, uh, it evoked a memory of, of uh, bringing Isaiah actually to that pond and scaring him. I used to take teens around and some of you were going to judge me big time, but uh, I would take people to my parents' house and they were just had a bunch of land and we could just be, uh, I don't know if you guys know this term, but like rednecks, you know, like we just would go on four wheelers and goat carts and just kind of give this, uh, you know, experience to people. Uh, and usually at night, I'd usually created some, um, some, some scary stories. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, anyway, I, don't, I can't go into that because we're at church today and all those stories. But, uh, uh, but at some point I made, uh, and in fact, I'm going to have to pay for counseling later, but I definitely made some junior high girls and also Isaiah cry at night. Uh, <laughs> I'm just picking on it because it's birthday day. It's his birthday today. And he's newly married. He's a happy man. Anger is gone in Jesus' name. Come on. Man, the punchlines are flowing today. But anyway, I, I remember um, as a youth, I totally digress. This is going, no, this is going nowhere fast. Um, I remember being a youth pastor and every year I would, I would film and I would sit down with teens and have a conversation and I would ask simple things like, like, hey, what have you learned? What's your favorite Bible verse? You know, what's the greatest accomplishment up to this point? And one of the things that I found absolutely ironic in, in talking to teens is when I asked them about their favorite scripture, over, um, almost every year that I did this, uh, two or three people would always quote Jeremiah 29, 11. Some are like, yeah, that's mine, <laughs> which is great. But I always felt that was an ironic uh, scripture to pick because of the context in which you find it. And, I, and some of you that may not know the Bible, maybe as well as, as I do, um, that is a very interesting one to pick from. Because truly what it is, is for, I, uh, it, it, I'll read it for you. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That contextually, this isn't, this isn't like a hunky-dory, like amazing, this is an amazing message, but truly it's speaking to people who are entering into a rough season for the rest of their life. In fact, if you go ahead and historically start like kind of diving into this and, and start studying it biblically, what you find out is it's, it's really talking to people that are going into captivity. Okay, and, and I think we all agree that this last year has been not, I mean, 2020 wasn't that fun, right? I mean, some of us were like, we did not plan for that. We don't think this is God's best for us, right? Like, this is no fun. Like, we've had to change our habits and, and it doesn't seem like things are that great, you know, when we're all being, you know, stay, we have to stay at home and we have to do this. We can't do that anymore. Our routines are changed. Our plans have been disrupted. And, and, and you know, although one year of our life might have been kind of changed, you know, these people are talking about, like, their change for the rest of their life, life. Like this isn't just for a time, this is for life. In fact, historians believe that some of these people, when they were pulled out of Israel, out of Jerusalem, they actually, they would actually would put a nose ring in their nose and a chain would be connected to that. And they would be connected one to another, like it was a horrible Christmas ornament. And they were dragged to another country. Now this, and this isn't just a small walk. This is a big time walk. This is like two months walking to their new land. This is the context in which this promise is said to you. So I always found that it was absolutely ironic that teens were like, yeah, I love this scripture. Because in essence, if you know the context, you know the message of what is actually being said, that regardless of whether or not it feels as if I'm prospering, the Lord has hope for me. The Lord cares for me. That God has a plan for me. And really, what I guess what I'm trying to say here, and. And if I can say it like this, you know, what's the point here? What's the punchline in this scripture is that God wants to give us all a hope and a future, but will we see it? Because a lot of times what we do is we've got the end in mind, but maybe it's not his end in mind. Maybe it's not God's end 
in mind. So what if your plans to prosper are actually going to put you in chains? What if your plans to prosper will actually put you in chains? Now this is taking God out of the equation. If you were a high school student like me, I, I, I actually thought like, okay, I'm gonna go to college because I, I go to college, I'm gonna make more money. And then I decided to be a pastor. Come on, everybody. <laughs> but I went into college with this idea of like, yeah, you know what? This is what everybody does. I gotta go and do something. And yes, I had prosperity. I had, I had the, the thought of what I can make in mind. How about this? Let me ask you this question. What if your ambition will actually not bring you joy or exhilaration, but will actually begin to lead you into captivity? You know, if you're a business owner and, and here, um, you know, and Christy, and and, you know, we're not running a business here, but there is a little bit of a parallel scenario of starting something from scratch is, is like there are no limits to how hard you can work. And if you are a entrepreneur, if you're a business owner in here or you're working on salary, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, man, you can work as hard as you can. And, and, and sometimes your ambition and your drive, although it, it's a good thing, it also can be an extreme bad thing. Here's my last question with this point in mind and this scripture in mind. What if what you are holding on to is actually holding on to you? And high school seniors and also senior citizens and everybody in between, from time to time, we need to ask that question to ourselves. Are the things that I'm leaning into, the things that are, I'm striving for, the, the, the business savvy or the ambition or the platform I'm trying to create, is it actually leading me to a different direction in which God wants to lead you in the first place. And with this in mind, I, I just feel compelled to, to lean into one of Jesus' teachings this morning we can find in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And actually, coincidentally, this was the message that I would write in cards to, to teens that are graduating. Even if they did Proverbs uh, 29, 11, I, I would try to inspire them with, with this type of message because I believe this is the lifelong message that God wants to go ahead and, and speak over us, no matter if we're a senior or we're a senior citizen or anywhere in between. Matthew 6, 19 says this, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And I can tell you this, when I graduated high school and I went off to college, I actually went to this school and this church that was very, very into the prosperity gospel. Now, whether you agree with it or whether you don't agree with it, that's, you know, that's for you to figure it out. In fact, you know, and some of my theology, you know, differs from, differs from that experience. But I remember going to that church and remember sitting in service and, and, and hearing a message over and over about how God wants to prosper you and that God wants to give you good health, which by the way, I believe is true, but that's all, all they talked about. And as a college uh, a freshman, I would go to church and I actually kind of grow old. I, I grew old of that messaging because as a college student, I had no money and I had good health. And I remember sitting there and, and, uh, and kind of aggravated in that message over and over and over because simply like when you graduate uh, high school, you have nothing. Right, but that's y'all can come. Some other older, can you help me out today? Isn't that a great place to be? I mean, how many of you have moved a few times and you were like, I hate moving. And the truth about moving is, you hate moving now because you've accumulated so much. But at some point in life, there's a blessing in nothing. But somewhere along the way, what we do is we begin, begin to store up on earth treasure that moth and vermin begin to destroy. And that's kind of where we all start, but if we're not careful, and, 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 and quite frankly, I, even if we are careful, we begin to accumulate things. And then verse 21, Jesus says this as he's teaching. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
Verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And some of you are sitting there and go, okay, and you're getting personal today. No, I'm not. God's getting personal with you. I believe this is a picture of our maturity. This is a picture of how life unfolds within every single one of us. We all start with nothing, and at some point, we begin to gain something. And when we gain that something, my question to you is this, is that something going to begin to grab a hold of you? And I think if we're not careful, that automatically begins to happen because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What we hold on to is what our heart begins to long for. In verse 24, actually 24, I, I believe I read that already. You cannot serve both God and money. 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Now, we have to understand is, is I believe uh, Jesus is teaching uh, the people of the first century this one concept, is that all these components, the eating and the drinking, and, and how you could take care of your body, and what you would wear in that society today, were all expressions of wealth. So he's continuing down that road of wealth and what you have and what you can accumulate. And, and as we get older, it's easier to go ahead and eat finer things. How many of you, when you were in college, come on, come on, y'all know this, it was ramen and mac and cheese. Ramen and mac and cheese. In fact, I remember I went off to college and I didn't have a food plan. And I was cheap. I still am cheap. <laughs> And I was like, how can I eat, so, how can I eat the cheapest possible way uh, I can? And I remember like going to, um, I don't remember the grocery store in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I remember I went there and literally I would go ahead and get like a 10 pack of ramen noodle, chicken flavored ramen. And literally like for 10 days in a row, it was ramen for lunch. And then I would go work and like, if I was like feeling a little frisky, I'd go ahead and buy a Snickers bar because that was my diet. Yeah. And then maybe later that night, I would go ahead and get one of those, those cheap 99, for me, for at that point, 99 cent, like, like, I don't even know if it was bread. I think it was just paper and, uh, and some cheese on it and these little small fried pizza things. I mean, I don't even know what they were called. They were horrible. Tortinos, yeah, whatever they're called. That was really bad. But I remember I went off to college and I actually lost about 30 pounds because I was so cheap. And, uh, but you know, this, what, what, what I'm trying to say here, and again, I'm horribly digressing the whole message, is uh, it's the beginning of life, man. The beginning of your next chapter, a lot of us, we just don't have it a lot. We just don't. But through life, as we begin to accumulate more, we uh, accumulate opportunity, we, we accumulate uh, a position, we, we accumulate wealth, man. It begins, it's easy just to go ahead and just have this expression of wealth. Jesus, again, is, is addressing the culture in that day. 27, uh, verse 27 says, can any one of you, and this is where it kind of takes a turn. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Let me pause here really quick. Jesus is addressing wealth, and he's addressing worry. Anybody relate? I mean, <laughs> Quite possibly in, 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 in the most difficult transitions of my life, worry went hand in, hell, hand in hand with wealth or the opportunity to sustain a certain lifestyle. And Jesus says here, therefore I tell you, don't worry about what you eat and drink, what your body, what you wear. Can any of, one, any of you worry so much so that you can add a single hour to your life? And then he says this, so do not worry, saying your heavenly father knows what you need. And then this is what I would tell every senior. I would tell every senior uh, citizen and I would tell every senior graduating this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. But you know what we do? We do it the other way. 
And we worry about what we're going to do next. We worry about how we're going to sustain ourselves. We worry about how our life's going to be. We worry about the job in the future. And we so much so that we forget about what's in front of us. And today's message to everybody in the room is this, is I don't want you to become a punchline. I don't want your life to become a joke. I don't want you to get to this place in life where you go ahead and look in reverse and go, you know what, I just missed the point. I missed the punchline. And so I got a few jokes on you um, uh, ideas here, uh, joke on you points, okay? So this is what I see in the passage. The joke is on you if you think closed hand living will bring you prosperity. The joke is on you if you think closed hand living will bring you prosperity. Everybody clench your hands. What you hold tight, tight to, will eventually die. You want to put a carrot in there and you hold it long enough, guess what? It will wither and it will be useless down the road. If you hold on to parents, your kids too tightly, eventually that opportunity that, uh, to influence that relationship will begin to wither. There is a time where we, it, it doesn't matter if it's money or it's in relationship or uh, in the things that we have, our possessions, even in our own health, our own dreams, our own purposes. If we hold too tightly, we begin to strangle that opportunity. Jesus in scripture addresses people about building more storage barns and the lack. You don't need to do that. Let me say it like this. Uh, I, I believe this is one of my philosophies is this, is, is if you're rich in one area of life, you're always going to be poor in another. Did you get that? That's really good. You can be rich in one area you will always be poor in another. And you can see that with people who have been really ambitious in life. They go out and they work really, really, really hard. But their family life struggles. And yet there are people who are, you, you are family people. And guess what? You don't have much. You know, that's okay. You have each other. You have family. And, 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 and actually, I think about my mom and my dad. I mean, just do a, a little shout out about like that. They never focused on wealth. They never focused on having the biggest house. They never focused on, on making sure that we had the best clothes, although they tried. And, and, uh, and, and they actually did stretch to buy me these awesome skater pants that were like, like 10 times the width of this. It was awesome. <laughs> They were bright red when they started, and I wore them about every day. They became pink. It was amazing. And I skated to them and shredded them to pieces. I think I still have them. One day, should I wear those for y'all down there? Anyway, I digress once again. But my parents displayed this one idea that wealth isn't everything. As I've told you, and and we've told you in this last series, Christy is the spender, I am the saver. And, uh, and one thing I've learned about Christy is this, is life isn't about it, the accumulation of goods or your saving account, but enjoying the goodness of life. Life is not about accumulating goods, but enjoying the goodness in life. I took a trip with a, a couple friends of mine across, this world, across the world. I went to South Korea and I made the investment to go visit a friend who was, who was uh, teaching English over there. And when I got there, man, I, I had that stingy mindset of going there and I had just spent a lot of money there. That's so much so that when we went there, I didn't want to spend any more. And that trip was just so bad because I didn't want to spend and, and, and pay for any type of experience. That's just how we can get stuck into that rut. And and I guess what I'm just trying to say is this, is if we live with this closed hand living concept, man, you just miss out on life. A possession attitude will stifle the possibility of experiencing life to the full. And so I'm just telling you, no matter who you are in the room, and let's be considerate When it comes to this closed hand living, let's live with open hands. How about this? Joke's on you, number two. Joke's on you if you worry, if you believe that worry is more effective than help. 
Joke is on you if you think worry is more effective than hope. See, worry weighs you down, but hope will always lift you up. Worry is a common thing. In fact, I, let me just go ahead and admit what happened to me last night. Most of my message was not done. I had been processing. I've been praying. I've been considering what was going to be said on this stage today, man. And I just kept on hitting the wall. I had writer's block and, and I kept pushing it uh, one day after another beyond me. And then eventually last night I stayed up late and, and uh, I'm a little sore because I went to Wisconsin and I was going off rope swings and zip lines and inflatable games, the, you know, jumping in the water, trying to act like I'm cool and impress my kids. And, and so I was just really, really sore yesterday. But, but beyond my soreness, I was worried about what I was going to say today. And I just realized, man, worry gets you nowhere fast. Today.com, an article is titled, Life's Regret and Advice from Your Elders. Regret number five in this article was this, is spending too much time worrying. And the elderly would advise younger people to stop worrying so much because worrying is a waste of your life. Business Insider has an article and says this, don't worry about money so much, take more chances. Their advice on this issue is devastatingly simple and direct. Worry is an enormous waste of your precious and limited lifetime. They suggest training yourself to reduce or eliminate, wor eliminate worrying as the single most positive step you can make towards a greater happiness. So not only is this illustrated in scripture, man, most people that, that, that walk through life begin to realize that worry gets you nowhere fast. Everybody say worry weighs you down. How about lastly, this is the joke is on you if you think wealth, wealth provides hope or a future that you're looking for. The joke is on you if you believe that wealth provides a hope or the future you're looking for. Interesting enough, Jesus in his teachings, if we were gonna go ahead and rank some of his hot topics in scripture, we would find this to be true. Jesus spoke the most about the kingdom of God. And the second most spoken about subject in the Bible that Jesus teaches is about money. It's about wealth. Yes, this could be directly or it could be indirectly. And then if you went to the third one, which I'm not going to tell you, it's a drastic drop off from the first two subjects. If you look at Jesus and, and you look at all his teachings and you, you really kind of like, you know, made a diagram and you made and took notes, Jesus spoke three times more about money than love. Jesus spoke seven times more about money than prayer. And 25% of Jesus's teaching are about money. And so, I, again, regardless of whether you're graduating, you were like me in college where I had none, or if you are, are later in life or somewhere in between where you have a lot, God wants to address what's in our heart. So much so that it begins to affect our hands. And I don't think that there's a better message to talk to a few young people starting a next chapter than to address how you see possession, how you see wealth, how you see your ambition, how you see your drive. Because I believe that the fullness of life and happiness and hope will be experienced not by the wealth you accumulated, but by your pursuit of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus, when he was here, felt like it was his job to teach about generosity. Jesus taught about trust and leveraging what we have as an opportunity to trust God. 
And in that trust and in that generosity, I believe it eventually begins to address this one word, this one sense, this one feel that we need to all fight to. And that's this one word, contentment. That when we start life, when we start new chapters in our life, the best thing we can pursue in the kingdom of God is a heart that is content. That no matter if we have little or no matter if we have much, we can find contentment because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And if we're going to seek anything first, it's going to be seeking Jesus. We're going to seek for what he has for us. We're going to go ahead and, 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 and apply what he wants us to apply when it comes to wealth management. He, we're going to apply to our life the concepts of worrying and not worrying and buying into that as a, as a reasonable tool to actually get what you want. See, I believe God wants to address our hearts today. So much so that it begins to affect the rest of our life. Just close your eyes. I want to pray for us today. Jesus, you teach us to not store up for ourselves treasures on, on earth. To store up treasures in heaven. Jesus, you, you tell us that wherever our treasure is, wherever that focus is, is where our heart will end up being. And then God, you decide to address our perspective on wealth. You decided to address our perspective about worry. And every single one of us in this room, we, no matter if we have little or we have much, I believe we've got the issue of closed hand living. Start believing that it's up to us to sustain the rest of our life. God, I I believe that the punchline of this message is if we are going to make a difference, if we're gonna make a mark in life, if we're gonna if we're gonna get the punchline, God, that we're not gonna be the punchline, but 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 leave a punchline behind, God, I believe it starts with the focus of your kingdom first. So Jesus, I just ask that beyond my words, beyond this message, God, that you would begin to birth in us a heart to be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Just tangibly, I I just want to say this. Let's be generous. There's some of you like me when I was really, really young. um, That generous thing was hard. It was really, really hard to let go of the little that I had. But somewhere along the road, when I had little, I learned to begin to give. Or now where I have more, giving is a joy. And for some of you, and again, this is, this is, this is by no means a pitch. If you're here for the very first time, uh, or you've been here for the first time, visiting the first time, uh, you guys know this, I don't really talk about money more. I probably should because Jesus talks about it 25% of the time he talks. But if you've not learned generosity, the local church provides you that opportunity to not only give, you, give to the church, but give through the church. 
God gives you this, really the Bible unfolds this, this minimum of 10% back to the, the church, which, which is kind of an interesting conversation. Well, I'm not going to crack open today, but that's what you can find. Uh, but then if you really start buying and di- uh, diving into scripture, you begin to see that like 10% is just kind of the minimum. And then God begins to say, but really he, he desires for you to be generous. And, and, and actually, let me just say like this, God doesn't desire for you to just be generous with the local church. He desires you to be generous with your neighbor. That, that, that you find opportunities to bless people around you. And, and, but I also believe that there are some individuals in here, man, some of you, you have acquired wealth. You've acquired an opportunity to give beyond your means and to give in a way that could really make a significant difference in the kingdom of God today. And I would suggest to you that this is an opportunity. This is a day where you begin to pray and to shift your mindset of just building a business to begin, but begin to build the kingdom of God. And for some of us, some of you, you've never given. And so I just want to suggest today, give today, whatever it is. If you don't give the church, that's fine. You go ahead and you give someone something. I remember I was in, uh, as I was a youth group, youth pastor, I remember um, after a, a message, it wasn't even on giving, this one young man was, was so uh, moved with a message that the Lord had put on his heart. He brought, came up to me with one of those old iPods. And he was like, I feel like I need to give this to you to give to God. So then, you know, whatever, whatever happens with it. And I remember taking that iPod from that young boy and I didn't want to do it. It was so hard for me to do that because I know what would be worth to him. But if I didn't take it, I felt like I would be taking away the blessing that God had for him. And I think for some of you, you need to learn the, the blessing of giving. And, and, and I, I believe there's some of you that you're obedient givers here, that you're this, you're kind of like me. You're like this non-emotional giver like me. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think God is presenting to us that if we're going to really buy into this, this uh, that, that, that worry and wealth gets us nowhere fast, maybe we need to learn the joy of giving and we need to begin to give generously and we need to allow God to stretch our faith as we give more than we've ever given before. And how about this? I, I believe for those that have the opportunity to, to live beyond. In fact, I think there's some people, that, business people and, and maybe entre- entrepreneurs or really hard workers. You, you've walked into this space and I believe this is almost a prophetic message for somebody. You walked into this space and you actually been thinking this week, what is life's purpose? And I believe the Lord wants to whisper to you is to dream with God. That your wealth isn't for wealth accumulation. Your wealth is to bless the kingdom of God. Again, this isn't a pitch. This is just, I, I, I felt like a tangible component. I mean, again, if you don't want to give the church, you go, don't worry about it. But let's be generous people because we live in a generous kingdom. And I know it's a generous kingdom because God sent his son, Jesus, And Jesus generously laid his life down. He gave all. Some of you have walked in this space and you feel far from God. And today is a simple invitation to take a step closer to God. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And he wants to live his life with you. So we at Echo Church, we pray a prayer. We pray every week. And it reminds us that we cannot do life alone. And we want to invite you to pray this with us. Will you stand? Let us pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said Let's celebrate everyone that said that prayer for the first time. Yes. Okay, if you are a graduate or a parent of a graduate, please make your way to the front. Everyone else can have a seat for a minute, but we want to honor our grads right now. We want to take a moment and recognize this pivotal season in their life. So grads, just line up right here. Make sure you watch the cords all in front. Parents, you're welcome to come up as well. And then volunteer staff, I would love if you would stand. We're going to pray over these awesome human beings this morning. 
we know that they are entering in to such a life change um, and that there are a lot of questions and a lot of choices about to be made. And we just really wanna cover them in God's goodness this morning. If you wanna um, just extend a hand, um, please do so. Or if you just wanna sit in your seat and just agree with us, we would really appreciate that this morning. God, thank you so much for every individual that is here. Every young student that is about to step into a new season, a new season where they are looking, they are pursuing, they're coming up, what is their passions? What are they gonna do with their life? And God, I just pray for big dreams, that they join with you in dreaming big for your kingdom. God, I pray for the strongest sense of identity as they step into this new season, that they chase after who you say they are. No matter what culture they are submersed in, that they know who you say they are. They know who they were created to be, that they are chosen, that they are beloved, that they are set apart, and that they can truly make a difference in this world. God, we thank you. We just ask for your presence to be all around them, to surround them and protect them. God, thank you so much for each and every one of these graduates. God, fill them with your joy. Fill them with your passion. Fill them with your light and your truth. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, let's hear it for these amazing, amazing students. You can make your way back to your seats. As we end in a time of worship, thank you so much, guys. I searched the world, but it couldn't fail me. A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied.
I've been thinking about this message all morning and the idea of this. A first century rabbi, pre-capitalism, pre-consumerism, pre-America by uh, 1800 years, spoke 25% of the time about money. It's kind of interesting that even at a time, now remember, at the time Jesus is saying this, like the Israelites are oppressed by the Romans at the time, and there's just so much going on. The abundance wasn't even a huge issue for their country, and Jesus still took all this time. It doesn't matter how much you have, because no matter what, it wants a hold of your heart. Now, I spend most of my time talking about money professionally. And I get to hang out with people that have lots of money and I get to hang out with people that are, most of my clients are very wealthy no matter what the scale you use. And I'd separate my clients into two buckets. One is the people who watch the market every day and when it goes up a little bit, they breathe a little sigh of relief and when it goes down a little bit, their blood pressure goes up. There's those people. And then there's my clients that live generously. And honestly, it doesn't matter what the market does today or tomorrow or next year or the year after that or 10 years from now. When they live generously, it changes everything about their worries. It just releases, Andy talked about worry today, it releases the worry and encourages the hope. Releases the worry. Jim Carrey has a quote. I quote this all the time. It's like my favorite quote. Jim Carrey says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that's not the answer. This is somebody who got to do all those things in saying that. Those with the most joy of my clients, those in my life, are the people that are the most generous. And I love what Pastor Andy said, because what I don't want you to hear is, man, those that write the biggest checks at church. Like it's so much different. It's just bigger than that. It's who you are on the street when you see a stranger. It's how you treat people you work with. It is how you handle your money. That's a big part of it. But how many times are you willing to maybe buy somebody lunch? Give somebody a compliment, encourage somebody. Being generous is so much more than money. But the funny thing for us is it's almost always money that has the most grip on us. But I want you to know something. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I struggle with this. God does not want you to feel guilty. If you do well financially, there's not supposed to be guilt that follows that. What God gives us is the remedy to that guilt, which is live with open hands. Live a life that's more than yourself. Live with open hands, be generous, and guess what? Guilt isn't the driver anymore. Guilt isn't what's speaking into your ear. Instead, it's, you know, it's God. Now, I want to say something to anybody who's brand new this week. We talk about money like twice a year. Like, it's not, this is not like a weekly thing. I talk about it a lot of times at the end of service, a little bits here and there. But I don't want you to feel any pressure. And I also don't want you to hear, oh man, that church, all they wanted was my money. It always breaks my heart when you hear that because I want you to know when God talks about money, it's not about your money. It's always about your heart. So when we stand up here and we give you the opportunity or maybe challenge you, it's only because we want you to live in the freedom that Jesus wants for you. It's not for the church, it's for you. So please don't walk out here and be like, oh, Echo, man, they just wanted my money. No, we want freedom for you and your family and generations to come. Now, if you are new to Echo, would you do me a huge favor? There is a red table out there that has some amazing people that would love to meet you. We have a coffee gift card just for going over there and hanging out and filling out a card. We would love for you to do that. We want to walk with you, be a part of your life. We are not a Sunday-only church, nor will we ever be. Awesome. Echo, we love you. Have a great week.